welcome to the Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey church, uh, we're going to start today with a little bit of a game. Um, and the game is like, pretend you're, um, you're part of, uh, or like I'm like Oprah or something, okay? And I am going to tell you, uh, surprise you with a place or tickets that I'm sending you to, some special place that I'm going to surprise you. And you get to react, because <clears throat> um, maybe some of this will be like evil Oprah. Uh, you get to react with like, yay, yes, like you like that place, or boo, if I don't want to go to that place, or meh, not really sure either way, okay? We ready? I am sending you to Ribfest. All you can eat ribs, beef ribs, pork ribs. Okay, yay, boo, man. Okay, this next one, it might be way too soon still for some of you, it's gonna wound you. I am sending you to Taylor Swift. Ah. Yeah, boo, ah. Okay, I am sending you, ready? to the dentist. <laughs> okay, that's, come on, collective boo. Those of you that are yay, there's something wrong with you. Okay, ready? I am sending you one month early to your relatives for Thanksgiving. Yay! Now careful, some of your relatives are in the room, okay? Be careful about that. All right, ready? I am sending you to a 24-hour nonstop Country Music Festival. Yeah, some of you just lost friends in the last few seconds. You know this, right? Okay, ready? I'm sending you to a petting zoo. Okay, don't at me about PETA and stuff like that, okay? I don't, I don't go to petting zoos. And, ready? I got you front-of-the-line tickets to go and renew your driver's license. <laughs> at an MTO office nearest to you. Boo. <clears throat> All right, now, little game. What's obvious to you probably is how you feel about this place that you're going is going to determine what you do when you're there, right? How you respond to it. If you're there and you're like, yeah, you'll be anticipating it. You'll tell other people about it. You might even thank God for it. You'll send pictures of it. You'll, um, you'll be sad when you have to leave. If it's a boo, you'll dread it. You, you'll avoid thinking about it. You'll be, begrudge the fact that you have to go to this place. You might even be angry with God for sending you there. And you certainly won't be looking forward to it. And you won't be expecting anything good out of it. You'll be like this. <clears throat> And if you're like, meh, not really sure, you might forget, oh, is that tomorrow? Oh, we're going to that? Oh. Again, your expectations might be pretty low. Take it or leave it. If something better comes along, yeah, maybe I won't go. And that's true about the place you're at right now, isn't it? Like your neighborhood, your house, your school, your work. How you feel about being in that place is going to determine how you respond, right? If it's a yay, I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so thankful I'm here. This is exactly where I want to be. I love this place. You'll thank God for it. You'll cut the lawn. You'll throw parties for your neighbors. You'll host people. You'll, you'll paint in the house. You'll be so thankful you're, you're, you're there every time you pull in the driveway. 
or of your school, like if this is plan A, yes, this is where I wanted to be. You'll hang around after class and sign up for student council and, you know, chat with your friends about it and maybe even play basketball there on the weekend because you don't mind being around that place. Or if that's true about your job, you love this place, you love the place you're at, this is exactly where you wanted to be, not just the location, but the company or the place at, at, in your career. You'll, you'll work hard, you'll work extra hard, you'll, um, you'll bring coffees for your colleagues on your way to work. You'll, you'll wanna be there, you'll think about it, you'll enjoy what you're doing. You might even do work when you're not at work. Likewise, if you hate the place you're at, you'll feel stuck, trapped, You'll just be thinking, counting the days when you can move or when you can finally move into your house or move out of this place or get away from these people that you're stuck with or in this neighborhood you never wanted to be at. You'll maybe complain about it. Maybe you'll be frustrated that God isn't answering your prayers to get you out of that place. Or if that's true about your work or school, like it's not plan A, it's plan B or plan Z. You'll just be biding your time. You'll be asking God for a way out. You'll probably arrive late leave early, you might call in sick, mail it in, you might not even do hard work. You probably will just be complaining about the people you work with and certainly not thinking about them. Or if it's kind of like, a, mm, I could take it or leave it, what am I gonna say? It's a job or it's school, I hate it. I'm just gonna endure it and get out of here. You're not gonna be thinking much about what's going on around you. You're not gonna be expecting much when you go there every day, right? That's true about the place you're at. And it's true about this church. Right? Maybe this church is a place you've chosen. You're so thankful. You thank God that he brought you here. And you'll love it. You'll invest in it. You'll make priorities. You'll be at every church gathering you can be at. You'll serve. You're, you'll be connected to the people. You'll be telling others about it. Or if it's a place you hate or someone else drags you here. It's not your choice to be here. Or you don't feel connected or you don't feel close to God. Or you have all kinds of questions about whether he's really here. And it's a place that maybe you feel cynical about or hopeless about. And whether you sit like this or you're just inside, you feel like that. You won't expect much. You'll be looking to move on. Or perhaps if it's like, mm, take it or leave it. It's like, well, I'm kind of tired today or it was late night last night, so I won't go today. Or, yeah, I don't really feel like going to home group or I'm not really into this or something better comes along, I'll do that instead. But either way, I won't be thinking too much about the people around me and my expectations will be pretty low. Why do I talk about this? <clears throat> Why do I bring this up? Well, last week we started a series called Live on Mission, where we said that the church is not really an institution, it's a movement. And it's not a, a, a community of movement, like random activity all over the place, like atoms crashing together. It's a, it's a um, movement that follows and is driven by and fueled by the mission of God. And we said this, that God is on a mission in our world to bring healing and redemption and grace and forgiveness and creativity and beauty and wholeness for all of the earth's people and even the earth itself. That's what scripture tells us God is doing. That is God's mission. <clears throat> and last week we said he, he invites us to move with him on that mission, to join the adventure of the mission he is on in the world. And here's one of the things that you'll find that's so fascinating when you read the story of scripture about the mission of God that God chose to carry out his mission by sending Jesus, his son, into this place. Jesus was sent to this place, and then Jesus sends the church out into the world, which includes the place where you are, the place where I am. It includes your home, your neighborhood, 
your school, your community, your work, this church, this city. That this is a place that you have been sent. That God is on a mission in the very place where you are. Whether it's the place you love, yay, the place you hate, boo, the place you're like, meh, here nor, neither here nor there. I want you to hear this. That the place where you are is not forgotten, is not irrelevant, is not a lost cause, is not off the radar to God and his mission. God sent you there because he has a plan for that place. And here's why you need to know it. Because if maybe you're one of those people who loves it just the way it is, or perhaps you hate it for what it is, or perhaps you just accept it for what it is. If that's you, you might end up doing the one thing in that place that God does not want you to do. And I'm going to tell you what that is in a moment and why it matters to you and what it means for how you live and act and think about the place where you are in your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your work, in this city, in this church. Um, one of the things you might be interested to know, whether you've read a lot of the Bible or a little, the, little bit of the Bible or none of the Bible, is that this idea of God sending his people to places is one of the most dominant recurring themes. In fact, God sent his son, like I said, Jesus, into the world. But in fact, even before Jesus came into the world, God was sending his people places. And maybe this is comforting to you and validates a little bit about how you feel about the place you've been sent to. Is a lot of times they didn't want to be there. And there's one point actually in the history of the people of God, kind of nearing the end of what we call the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, where the people of God found themselves in a place they did not want to be. That place is called Babylon. It was an actual place, but it was also an empire. And the Babylonian Empire about 2,700 years ago, so around 700 BC, um, was the most dominant, um, wealthy, powerful, and brutal empire on the face of the earth. And Babylon came and conquered Judah and the capital city, Jerusalem, where the people of God lived, destroyed the temple, destroyed the city, killed the king, killed some of the royal officials, and then took a whole bunch of people and deported them to Babylon, exiled them to Babylon. And so Babylon was this place that the people of God found themselves that they did not want to be. They did not choose to be there. Um, it was a place that represented trauma and hardship for them because they had been displaced, taken out of the place they wanted to be, taken out of the place they had invested in, taken out of the place that was home for them, forced to live somewhere else, and not just physically moved, but they had to leave behind not only their burning and destroyed city, but in a sense their culture, right? Like they were meant to become Babylonians and be sort of have their culture washed away from them. They were meant to leave behind their religion and their God. That was why the Babylonian king burned the temple was to say, hey, our God is great. And the Babylonian God's name was Marduk. Uh, destroyed your God. That's why your temple is. So you're going to leave behind your culture. You're going to leave behind your religion. You're going to leave behind your God. You're going to leave behind your family. You're going to leave behind your language. And you are going to become Babylonian. 
And so this was a place they did not want to be at. This was a place where, in a sense, they had felt like God had abandoned them, like God was supposed to pr protect them. And in Jerusalem, their city, that was home. That's where God was. And now God was gone or had not protected them at all from being displaced and taken to this place they did not want to be. And in this place, God sends a message to them. And they needed a message because uh, they believed that this place had nothing to do with the mission of God. That God was interested in Jerusalem, where they were from, and their people, that this was not part of God's plan, that this had nothing to do with God's mission. And so for some people, they hated it. They were like, no, we hate this place. And in fact, um, history tells us that some of them decided not even to move into the city. They stayed outside by the rivers of Babylon, yeah, Boney M, um, uh, right? They stayed outside literally and said, no, no, we're not going in this place because in fact, we just need God to get us out of this. We hate this place. We don't want to be here. Clearly, this can't be part of God's plan. So God, we're going to stay by the river. Come rescue us. And in fact, there were prophets telling the people, don't worry, this is not, you know, part of God's plan. He's going to rescue you. Just wait here. It's going to, this is going to be over quick. You're going to get out of this place. Of course, that's what people love prophets when they tell them what they wanted to hear, right? And that's what all, most of the prophets were saying. And so there were a group of people who hated it, wanted nothing to do with it. There were others actually who we know were probably tempted in, in a sense, and many who did just eventually just disappear, just say, well, I guess if you can't beat them, join them. We'll just love this place. We'll just become a part of this place. Fine, we'll accept this. You know, whether we love it or we just kind of like, meh, what else can you do? Here we are. And God had something different in mind for them, for those that hated it for what it was, for those that loved it the way it was, for those who were like, well, we'll just accept it for what it was. God had something different, and it was something, the one thing he did not want them to do in this place. And I want you to listen to this uh, passage of scripture, just a short, a few short verses from the prophet Jeremiah of what God's message was to these people who were in this place. And it's not just for them. I think this is the, one of the most important passages of scripture in, in, in the whole Bible. And it is so instructive for not just the Jewish exiles 2,700 years ago, but for us today in the places where we are, whether we love the place we're in, whether we hate the place we're in, whether we're kind of like, meh, this is where I happen to be. I want you to listen to what God said to his people then and to us now. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. In this place, Babylon, where some of the people hated it, wanted nothing to do with it, wanted God to just rescue them from it. Where others might have been tempted to eventually love it and just become a part of that place or just accept it for what it is. The one thing God did not want them to do, whether they hated it for what it was, whether they loved it for what it was, whether they just accepted that that's what it was, the one thing he did not want them to do was leave it the way it was. Here's what I mean. 
God's plan was for them to make that place better. God had a plan for them to make that place better. And here's how he describes that plan in terms of what his mission was. Just in these few short verses, he actually is explaining to them, I'm not going to rescue you from this quickly. I have a plan for you in this place. And the plan begins by assuring them this, I sent you here. This is what he says, I sent you to this place. In fact, some of your translations here in Jeremiah 29 uh, in the NIV translation would say, I carried you into Babylon. I know you think that the evil empire brought you here. I know you think that King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed your land and brought you here and sent you here. And that, that's why you're here. I know you think that this is a God forsaken place, literally. I know you think this, there's no way that this could be part of a good plan. <laughs> but I want you to know, I sent you here. And, and the, the translation says, I carried you here means I'm here with you. And because of that, he says this. And I love this, this translation, the NLT that we read. Plan to stay. Plan to stay. He says, don't think you're going to leave quickly. Plan to stay. Now, here's what we know from history. What plan to stay didn't mean was that they were going to be there forever. Eventually, they were going to go back home. Eventually. But for now, plan to stay. It's not going to happen quickly, so don't wait it out. You can't just wait to leave, you're going to have to settle down here. You're going to have to plan to stay. But it didn't mean, okay, so just wait. Just sucks to be you. Just accept this. Just stay here. Plan to stay was not a passive uh, plan. It was a call to action. It was an active plan to stay. What did God mean when he said, okay, you're here. I brought you here. I sent you here. I sent you to this place and I'm with you. I want you to plan to stay. What did that mean? Well, he explains to them in a number of ways. First, he says, multiply, do not dwindle away. And he goes on to say, like, have children and let them, you know, like get married and have children. But multiply wasn't simply about like, oh, procreate, <laughs> have more children. And so he says, increase, don't decrease, don't dwindle away, don't disappear. Don't fade away. Don't lose yourselves. For the, and this is possibly for those who were tempted to just become Babylonian. Fine. You want to brainwash me? Fine. You want to get rid of my culture? Fine. We get, change what God I worship. You know what? If you can't beat them, join them. Let's just disappear. Let's just melt away. Let's just um, be dissolved into the culture of Babylon. No, he says, don't. That's why he says, create more homes. Like keep building yourselves as the people of God. Don't dwindle away. Don't disappear. Increase. You are the people of God. Grow. Grow in this place that you hate, that you think nothing can grow. And don't disappear and fade away and just become Babylonian. Grow, increase, multiply. And, and then he goes even further. He says, this is part of the plan to stay. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city. That word Peace, now this is a loaded word. If, if plan to stay and I sent you here was troubling and difficult and confusing for them, this would have been downright offensive for them. Because what would this word peace, it didn't mean like hmm, zen. 
it was from the Hebrew concept of shalom. And in fact, if you know Jewish people or you have Jewish people in your family, you're a Jewish person, you know like that's one of the main greetings exchanged between Jewish people is shalom, peace. And that word uh, describes sort of the complete state of harmony and beauty and joy and delight. Shalom was this beautiful, all, we need a word like this in English, because it's a word that describes everything as the way it should be, like total harmony and connection with God and with each other. So love, like deep, uh, 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 peaceful relationships of love with, between us and God and between us and each other, and connection and harmony and creativity and growth and beauty with the world around us, the earth itself, our work and all nations. So, um, and, and even financial prosperity, and even the, the earth having shalom for agrarian society where you need it to rain when it's supposed to rain and be sunny when it's supposed to rain, and so there aren't droughts and there aren't floods and there aren't earthquakes. This idea of shalom was that even financial growth and prosperity. So shalom was the thing that they were meant to have, that they were meant to experience as the people of God. In a sense, you know when they had first experienced shalom? Eden, the Garden of Eden. Shalom was about, in a sense, heaven on earth. That's what shalom kind of meant. When we say the word heaven, that's kind of actually what what it should mean, is this total state of harmony and beauty and creativity and life and love. Eden was heaven on earth. And and so, so God's saying to the people through the prophet, work for the shalom of this place. Bring heaven to earth. Now, they had thought shalom was something God was doing for them back in Jerusalem, the holy land, the holy city. That's where shalom was supposed to happen, not here in Babylon. And so when God says to them, work for the peace, the shalom of this place, bring a little heaven to earth, he's saying, even in hell, even if it feels like hell, work to bring heaven to earth, shalom here for this place and then he goes even further and says, and pray for this city. Pray for the city. Not only work to make this place beautiful and harmonious and peaceful and creative and life-giving, pray for the city, which is even more offensive to them or mind-blowing to them, right? If you read the prayer book of the Jewish people, which is the book of Psalms, you'll see there are a number of prayers for the city. But it's prayers for the city of Jerusalem. Or in fact, you'll see this word even more in the Psalms, the word Zion. Zion, for the Jewish people, was the city of God, the place God was, the place that God's people lived with Him in peace. That's the place of Shalom. That's where they were praying for all the time. There are no prayers in the Psalms for Babylon. Not prayers for shalom, not prayer for peace. There would be prayers for destruction. Oh God, judge the wicked, get rid of the wicked, free us from our oppressors. But God's saying, actually, you're going to need to change your prayers. The things you prayed for for Jerusalem, the things you prayed for for Zion, pray for Babylon. Pray for this city. This was God's plan. The mission God was on in what they thought was a God-forsaken place. I've sent you to this place. So don't hate it for what it is. Don't just love it like it is. Don't just accept it for what it is. Don't leave it the way it is. Make it better by growing, multiplying, 
increasing as a community, as a people. But seek the peace, the shalom in your work and in your play and in your relationships. Seek the peace and the economic prosperity of the city. Work hard to make this place grow and better and pray for it. That's the mission God was on in Babylon, in the place where they were. So what about the place where you are, where I am, our neighborhood, your condo, your apartment, your home, your school, your work? God has sent you there because he is on a mission in that place too. And the one he does not want you and I to do is just leave it the way it is. He sent us there to make it better. And his plan for the people of Israel to make it better is the same one for us. Multiply, increase, which doesn't mean have children, although some of you are doing that, that's good. It means grow. Don't fade away in that place. Don't be a wallflower in that place, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your work. Don't hide your faith. As you walk into that place, Jesus says to you, I am here. I carried you here. I brought you here. I sent you here. So bring Jesus and his ways into that place and bring the people around you to Jesus. Don't lose your faith and lose your place and your way of being. Don't, don't, don't wither away. Don't disappear. And go further. Seek the shalom, the peace, the prosperity, the harmony, the forgiveness, the grace, the creativity, the productivity, the wholeness, the healing of the place where you are. Make it better by how you work and how you invest and how you care for the people and the work you're doing, wherever you happen to be, to make it better, to help it grow. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. That's why our work matters to God, because we're making this place better. We're, 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 we're helping the company or whatever we're studying like achieve its goals. We're working hard at it, and we're bringing uh, uh, God's grace and healing and, and life to the people around us. We are brokering peace. We are helping those who are at odds with each other come to peace and come to kindness and love together. We are making this place whole and healed. And, therefore, pray for this place. Pray for your work. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your street. Pray for your colleagues. Pray for your coach. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your principal. Pray for your boss. Pray for the people who work for you. Pray for, yes, the prime minister. Pray for this this city, this country, this place where you are. And what about our church? the place we have been sent. For us, we've encapsulated what we think God's mission is for us in this place in these words, deep faith, wide embrace, deep and wide. To be a people who grow deep in the love of God and in our relationship with God and in our faith. That's what it means to increase, to multiply, to grow in our faith, to not shrink away, to not fade away, but increase. And to widen our embrace so that we love God the town and the city and the places and the people where we are and the people we serve. For us, multiply has meant like we, we have three 
sites. We are a church, one church with three locations. And that's not easy to do. In fact, it would be easier to stay in one place. Then we're all, and we all get to see each other, and then all the staff in one place, and we're not trying to, you know, like some of you don't realize this, you just go to the site you're at, you're at Bolton or King City or Vaughn, and we're like, yeah, this is good. Um, but as a team, and for people like who are leading, it's more complicated, but it's better. We do it because they're opening new Walmarts and new parks and new banks in all of the cities and towns around the GTA. And it's the church's responsibility to open new communities of faith, to grow, to multiply, to not fade away and dwindle away, to not hate this place, so we just kind of endure it and say, I'm just gonna, I don't want anything to do with the way it is, to not just love it so much that we just disappear and saying, oh, like we lose ourselves and lose our faith and just become products of the culture, or to go, well, I don't really care either way about this place. No, we're called here. We believe we're called to love and seek the peace and shalom of the town of Bolton, the town of King City, and the city of Vaughan. That these are places and people we have been sent to by God to grow <clears throat> and to increase. We want to make this place better. Not just in our schools, not just in our homes, not just in our work, but as a church community together. And yet, as you know, it's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to invest in people, to love and serve the place where we are. Especially if we feel like, oh, I don't want to be here, or this is a God-forsaken place, or nobody cares about me here, or this is a hard place, or this is a difficult family, or, this is not where I chose to be, or this is not the neighborhood I wanted to be in, or this is not the house or the living situation I want to be in, or this is not the school I want to be in, or this is not the job I want to be in, this is not plan A. It's hard to invest and serve. It's hard to actually grow and multiply and increase in your faith rather than just disappear or be a wallflower, to be quiet and to fade away. And even to call it to some of you, I know one of my kids is in Christian school. We think like, oh, that's different. Like that's, uh, that, that's not a place, that's not Babylon. It's like, no, as you know, those of you who go to Christian school or whatever, not everybody there follows Jesus. It is a place you have been sent and it is a place you are meant to grow and multiply and to bring the peace and shalom there. There is no place where the people of God are let off the hook from bringing God's mission and plan into that place. But it's hard to do, so why would you do it? <laughs> well, Jeremiah tells the exiles why they should do this very hard thing to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, to pray for this city, this place they didn't want to be. Whether they didn't want to be there, they hated it, or they loved it, we're just going to disappear in it. Here's what he says. Pray for the city and seek the prosperity of it. Why? Because if it prospers, you will prosper. If it gets shalom, you will get shalom too. If a little bit of heaven comes down to earth here too, it'll touch your life as well. The very thing that you want, blessing, prosperity, shalom, the way to get it is by following God on the mission and the place he has sent you to seek the peace and prosperity of this place, to pray for it, because your welfare, your peace is now tied up in this place. And if it grows and it prospers and it thrives, so will you. And so I want to give you a little prayer. It's actually not my prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus gave his disciples when they said to him, Lord, how should we pray? And you may not have realized this, but a part of the prayer that he gave them, which is now famously called the Lord's Prayer, perhaps many of you have heard it or prayed it before or grew up praying it. There's a little section of that prayer 
that is about shalom, that is about a little bit of heaven touching earth. This is what Jesus said as part of the prayer. He says to the disciples, hey, this is how you should pray in the place that you are at. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let heaven touch earth. Let earth be a little bit like heaven. Let shalom come here in this place. And so what if you, as you started your day or your week, as you entered the place where you are, as you drove down the street, pulled in the driveway, walked through the door, walked into the doors of the school, logged on for your day at the office, got on the bus to get there or to drive there, what if you said, in my school, as it is in heaven, on my street, as it is in heaven, in this house, in this room, as it is in heaven, God, at my work, as it is in heaven, God, in the city of Vaughan, as it is in heaven, in the town of Bolton, as it is in heaven, in the town of King City, as it is in heaven, in our country, as it is in heaven, in this church, as it is in heaven.